Feeling anxious and tired? Not sure what to do? It's time for a new mindset with a new podcast show. Coming to you through your headphones and smart speakers from London to all around the globe. This is the Hey Ryan podcast with Ryan Allen. Welcome to the Hey Ryan podcast, which is all about men, anxiety and the conversation. This is episode six. I'm Ryan Allen, your host, who we're talking with you, my listeners, alone about living life as a man in this very peculiar world. This is my chance to share parts of my life with you, which might be difficult, but it's also important that I am honest and open about work, life, and living as a podcaster and entrepreneur. I am a former class teacher turned podcaster and a wellness advocate for men with a focus on helping men break free from anxiety, which is not an easy task, and many have tried ways to do this before successfully. But we still have a long way to go and there are many ways to reach men. So get a coffee, put your feet up and listen in to me on the solo chat on the Hey Ryan podcast. But first, make sure to visit our website, heyryanpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Stitcher and iTunes, all via RSS feeds, so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you find value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Always remember, you're not alone. But never stay disconnected, stay connected. Stay open on heyronpodcast.com because your mind matters. And now we have me in the hot seat. I have to say, it is a really strange position to be here, me, on my own, having a conversation with my listeners. And all I can say is firstly, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sitting with me wherever you are in the world. It's morning, afternoon or evening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. (laughs) I'm just having this solo conversation. It's going to be one of many. This is started off from an encouragement. It was literally started with my friend, my good friend, Vincent Andriano, who really spoke with me, friend to friend, talked to me and said, look, you need to have a conversation with your listeners about your life because people won't know where you've come from. They won't know what you've experienced. And I thought, yes, why not do that? So here I am. I am the host of the HeyRoanPodcast.com. I've interviewed a lot of people and I'm grateful for all of my guests and current guests coming up on the show. But it is about me. (laughs) And I'm starting off with the Midlands because that's where I'm from. I'm from Birmingham which is the second city of England. People don't really know that. Some people don't know that, but it is. And I grew up in a town called Aston and uh, went to a school called Prince Albert, which is the same school that Ozzy Osbourne went to. So Ozzy, if you're listening to this, yes, we are both Brummies. And Brummies, it's a term that means from Birmingham. And for those who are from Birmingham, I am a Villa fan, though I have to admit I'm not the biggest of followers but I am a Villa fan. For those from London who don't know what I mean by that is Aston Villa is a football team and we just call it the Villa. Everybody in Birmingham who knows what I'm talking about will know that's what we call it. I grew up in Birmingham for much of my teenage years and my mother is West Indian. My father is also, but it wasn't an easy start. Parents split and I grew up in a single parent household. For anyone who has grown up in a single parent home, It's not the easiest, but when you've got a loving parent, life gets easy. And I had a loving parent. Mum was amazing. 
and brought me up to be a very respectful young man. And, you know, thank you to mum. But it hasn't been easy. I went to a very, very posh school. I will say that it was in the Midlands and in the country, Dartmouth. And I had a wonderful later part of my studies at this school. But my first sort of four years was pretty grim. I was bullied, racially abused for a number of years. And every time I talk about my throat gets a bit dry. So yeah, it was a horrific time. The bullying was awful. It was very homophobic and extremely hard to kind of grow up as a young black boy in a predominantly white school. But I had amazing friends. I even still remember Rebecca O'Reilly. If you hear this and you know who I'm talking to, Rebecca, you were an amazing friend and dear to my heart. And thank you for just being there. I haven't seen Rebecca for years. And yes, you know, I went to the same school as the legendary celebrity star, Catherine Dealey, Cat Dealey. So Cat, if you're out there, you know, I'm sure you're back in London, I think it is, or in the US, wherever you are. I still remember you. You haven't been forgotten. You might have forgotten me, but I haven't forgotten you. It was just a wonderful school that I went to, despite the pressures and the homophobic behavior and the racial abuse that I received for many, many years. But I then went on to art school, and that was where I began to develop my skills as a fine artist. So many people might not know. I'm a designer. I'm an artist. That's what I was very, very good at when I was very, very young. I was drawing sort of realist work, and it was a fantastic time being at the Birmingham Institute of Art and Design, which is the BIAD, with some incredible lecturers and people like that. But through much of my studies... And just getting to the university stage, I went through a lot of sort of trauma. I was very, very insecure about who I am, what's masculinity, what does it really mean? And nowadays, for those of you who are able to have so many more choices these days, back then in my time, when I say that, you know, I was born in the 70s. So, you know, I'm in my 40s now. And some people kind of a bit surprised when they hear that, you know, I am in my 40s. Well, I am. And it wasn't easy growing up, not sure where you sit in the world. Masculinity was a big issue for me. And when I got to the point where I had a serious issue, which was kind of more like social phobia, I think that's what they call it. And it is, I had social phobia, I have to admit that. And social phobia to me was just being amongst people. Going shopping was very, very hard for me. I would be sweating and perspiring and just in a real state. But I was very good at acting and pretending that it was just me, just a little bit hot. But actually, it was sociophobia and it was a blend of other things as well. I also had a mother who, you know, a mum's still alive, uh, I know that, but it was just hard to talk to my mother. Being from a West Indian household, you know, it's very strict and it's very, very PC. And there was just conversation I could never have. And unfortunately, I have to admit this, is that I don't have a relationship with my own mother and haven't had a relationship with her for at least 11 years. That might sound really, really difficult for a lot of you to hear that someone doing what I do, who sounds very confident, you know, I am good at what I do. I love talking to guests and interviewing people and learning their lives and and really kind of growing with people. And I'm a very grateful person. I'm very grateful for life and grateful for living. But there's been times when I've just got to the point where I just couldn't have the conversations or the kinds of relationship I would love to have with my mother, but I don't. And that's just how it is. 
And I'm sure that we will get together again very soon in the future. But for the time being right now, it's important for you listeners to know that my life isn't perfect and my growing up wasn't perfect. And then it led on to moving out of Birmingham altogether. That was just a natural transition to move to the big city of London. And anyone who knows anything about moving to the big city. So, you know, some people think going to New York is the big city and it is the place of great opportunity. And I have to admit, London has given me many, many opportunities and I'm sure many, many more. But it was very, very hard moving to the city of London. And I did not know (laughs) what I was doing. To be fair, I literally just got a sales job, I think it was. And I got the sales job and didn't realize that rents and things like that would be so expensive because coming from Birmingham, it's much, much cheaper to live. And I moved to London and I just started to really kind of get to grips with the tube. And I really didn't like it because it was super hot down there underground. Awful. Didn't like it. It Took me about two years to get used to that. And then I eventually kind of found my feet after about two, three years being in London. It takes a while to kind of get used to it, to the city. Yeah, I just started to work for a sales company in Richmond that remained nameless. And then I progressed to work with various organizations, and one of whom was a news distribution company that I had a job with. And my good and long distant friend, Hassan Khan, I have to mention you, mister, because you've been an amazing powerhouse of support back then. And you taught me things that I really did not know about business or leadership or just kind of getting over myself. And I remember there was times when I was just in a real state and didn't believe or wasn't confident enough. And, you know, Hassan was there. He was very much there to support me as my line manager and was an amazing man, an amazing leader and still is today. And that was almost, I don't know, nine years ago, even more than that, I think. Maybe, Hassan, you can probably remember those dates. Anyway, so grew up in Birmingham, moved to London. And I have to say, when you are trying to figure out what you want out of life, I find that concept really, really difficult. And it was, it was really, really difficult. And people say, oh, you know, you need to get a job and then get a house and then the family and blah, 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 and all of that. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, I knew that it was television and film. And I knew I wanted to work in the media for sure, because my first job after leaving university was the BBC, believe it or not. I was a researcher and runner at the BBC Pub and Mill back then. It's not BBC Pub and Mill anymore. They call it the mailbox in Birmingham. But that was where I really began to learn about television and learn about research and learn about how to put things together. And it was an amazing experience. I was noticed as having a kind of engaging personality that looked quite similar to those on television in front of camera. And I had a cameraman who came up to me and said, oh, you know, Ryan, I think you'd be really good as a presenter. I think you've got something really good. I think you've got a talent there. And I didn't really believe him. I thought, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, mister. (laughs) I just thought, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing. But I had to be pushed. And I realized that I did have something don't know what that quite is. But a lot of people tell me this and lots of people like my voice. And I went ahead and started to pursue television and I never looked back. Of course, there were times when I thought, oh, this isn't going to work. And I did admittedly left 
the BBC to pursue teaching. That was my B plan, just because I knew that television and being in the industry, unless you're fully in and you're doing well, it's not easy. And so I did a teaching degree, got trained becoming a teacher, and then became a teacher for over a decade and a half. I love teaching and I love to see children doing so well in class. And to any children who have been taught by me, it was just amazing. I've had some challenging students over the years, but you know, who hasn't? And at the end of the day, some children (laughs) will say, yes, I loved working with Mr. Allen and others may not. And that's just how it is. And that's fine. And if some of my students didn't like me, that's okay. It's fine because I'm a strict teacher and I make no apologies for that. But moving on. So purpose and direction is one of the things I wanted to talk about. And to be absolutely fair, doing all of these things, there was just this yearning inside of me that said, I'm not doing what I should be doing. I don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. And I just tried everything. And then I just got to a point where I got lost along the way and just got caught up in the rat race of just doing work and paying bills. And I will say this is that there was a partner of mine that I was with romantically who had seen me going to school or just about to attempt to go to school in the early hours of the morning in floods of tears. I was crying and they saw me and was a little bit of a shock to see someone that appeared to be enjoying or seemed to be enjoying school and is in floods of tears in the early hours of the morning. I remember my ex-partner said to me that I think you need to come back indoors and you need to address this issue because something is making you very, very upset and very unhappy. And that was my time of reflection to really engage with myself and say, I'm not enjoying this work. This work is really not making me happy. And it's not necessarily to do with the work of teaching, because I was actually going into school. It was all about just not being fulfilled. And the reason that I was crying, it wasn't because of me going into school to see my students. It certainly wasn't that at all. But it was about not being fulfilled from the inside, from my inside core being. I'm a creative. And even my students who've been taught by me will know this, that I'm a very creative teacher, very loud. (laughs) And I just felt really out of it. And I eventually started to make, or at least start the journey to figuring out what the earth, I was just about to swear them, I'm not going to swear. Like Davina, please do not swear. And I won't, Davina McCall. But I would say that I really, honestly, was lost. And I just had to take some time out. And that was the first time I did forest bathing. And I've talked about forest bathing before with Hannah Young on the previous episodes. So if you haven't listened to those, make sure you do listen to those episodes with Hannah Young. She's part of the Hexus 21 consultancy. And I just had to sit in the forest. I just lay there, the nearest park, and just lay there. (laughs) And that was the first time I started to kind of really breathe, really breathe in and breathe out. And I just knew I needed to make some changes. And for guys, I'm telling you, when you don't like going to work, and even Sal Kassan was saying this on episode one, with the dread of going into work, that's a sign. That is a huge sign that something is not right and you need to do something about it. So I did have a certain dread of going into work and it was the workload. It wasn't the students, it was the workload. And a little bit was culture, but mainly the workload. And I also said to myself, I don't want to do things that don't make me happy. And if you're doing things that make you happy, you don't care about the workload. 
So I wasn't enjoying the workload and I really was starting to dislike my job. So I made the decision to step away for a short while from school and tutor. And that was what I did as a private tutor. And that was far more fulfilling. And still, I do love schools. Absolutely. It is the place where children can learn and grow and to be part of their learning and part of their life because children see us more than anyone. So teachers, I understand from where you're coming from. So if you're listening and you're a teacher, just check in with yourself and ask yourself, is everything okay? Are you okay? Are you enjoying your work? Is things getting in the way of that? What is it? Ask yourself those questions. Really write these things down. That's what I did when I got clear about things. So if you don't write things down, you don't get very clear about things. And I then began this journey of self-discovery. And I moved on in many ways. Broken relationships, those changed. I moved on. Still friends with ex-partners, not close friends, but you know, distant friends. And I have to say that a certain part of me definitely feels a little bit upset sometimes when I think about the fact that I'm doing all this incredible work in terms of podcasting and I don't have a relationship with my own mother. That for me is very sad, I have to say. And I haven't mentioned father because the last time I saw my father was when I was 21 and I'm 40 plus. So I haven't seen my father for over two decades. And I love my father dearly. He's a very good man. If he's still alive, you know, hello, dad, if you're out there, I'm talking to you. His name is Ed. Edward Allen is his name in Birmingham. And yeah, it was just, this is my truth here. This is my truth. I don't have a close family. I have close aunts and uncle. Yes, I do. So hello, Aunt Dorothy, Joy and Elaine. My cousin Monique, who's often posting incredible videos and things on Instagram. So (laughs) well done to you, Monique, for doing all that amazing stuff that you do. And you do a lot. But what I can say is I began to become grateful for life. And when I became grateful for the simpler things in life, that's when I started to understand the direction that I needed to go in. And it was when I discovered that I looked at the Samaritans. And the reason why I looked at the Samaritans was because I was in a very dark place myself. And I was going down a very, very dark tunnel. And this is a dark tunnel or a shadow that many people have many names for. I call it depression. I call it the D word. It's depression. I've had depression for years. Many, many, many years I've had depression for. Even when my Good, good friends, Leon, Leon Stewart, he's an incredible actor, is in a play at the moment. I can't remember what it was, but Leon Stewart, an actor, he's an amazing actor, doing exceptionally well, doing a tour at the moment. But I'd mentioned to Leon, and he didn't even know that I was depressed, to be absolutely honest. The thing is, as men, we're really good actors. We're probably better than those on television or film or in theatre. But I was a really good actor. People say, you know, how are you doing, Ryan? You're all right. I say, yeah, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. And I was faking it for such a long time. And people-pleasing, super guilty of that, being a people-pleaser, really wanting to be liked by everyone. And the very fear of someone not liking me was I'd try anything to kind of get them to like me. And I realized that was just so foolish because you can't make people like you. You've got to be yourself and not everyone is going to be on your wavelength and that's fine. You know, there's people that have come and gone in my life. There's people that were friends and are no longer friends of mine. 
and there's people that are friends of mine, but from a distance. And there's other people that just sort of drift away. And, and to all those people who have been close friends of mine or been acquaintances or in some way we become friends for a short time, I would just say, send you my blessings and just do amazing work wherever you're doing. And it was great knowing you and it was lovely to connect with you and hope we connect again if I don't see you all the time. All I can say to my listeners is that life has been hard for me. No one's given me a silver spoon, come from really poor background and had to work really hard to kind of live a life reasonably comfortable. And I'm here. And, you know, one of my biggest passions is to really work on stage, on television. That's kind of where I'm at for men because I'm a big wellness advocate. And was on Times Radio with Kate Borsay for Time For Your Mind. So if you've ever listened to that, I've been on there a few times. Very, very late nights, I have to add. Very late at 12.35. That's when people are literally not awake at all. And I'm with Kate Borsay talking about anxiety and men and wellness and ways to kind of help men. And I've been able to give that advice because I've had to live it myself. I've lived with depression for years. It hasn't bound me the way it has in the past. And, you know, I've had therapy before and still do. And there's nothing to be ashamed of when it comes to therapy. But what I would say to men is let's take away the facade for just five minutes. Can you give me five minutes, guys, chaps? I'm talking to you. The reason why I'm saying this and the reason why I do this podcast and also I'm launching this event called MATS, Men, Anxiety and the Conversation. So that's the abbreviation. All about helping men break free. I've had to spend years, countless years, figuring out how to break free from anxiety. And one of the things is that I've realized that being attached to trying to please people, and pleasing people doesn't necessarily mean you want them to like you, but you do it because you have responsibilities. And yes, we've all got responsibilities, but you also deserve to be happy inside and out. I wasn't happy inside and out. On the outside, I looked happy, but on the inside, it was absolutely crushing. And I can say now I'm liberated. I'm liberated to be a man in the 21st century, living in a time of COVID, where the whole world came to a standstill. And that for me just is the most weirdest thing to be in. I've had my COVID vaccinations, had both of them. And, you know, I'm just saying to you, don't give up on trying to be free. Don't assume that just because you've got money in the bank that necessarily means you're happy. If you're finding your marriage challenging and you're not talking about it or you're financially in a bad situation and you've been hiding it for a long, long time, don't sit with it. Don't walk around with it. Don't drive with that. Don't cycle with that. Don't walk with that. Start dealing with it. Start talking to someone. Find someone to talk to because we guys can't do it on our own. We're not doing it very well because <laughs> the number of suicides that I've been hearing about just in the Samaritans, and I mention the Samaritans because they talk about suicide and they report it. And of all the suicides in the UK alone, the Samaritans say that it's two thirds of the population of suicide near to are men. So there's something we're not able to do properly. So any logical person who's listening to this can say, yes, but you know, we can just get on with it. Well, if we're getting on with it, why are there still two thirds of suicide are actually men? Something isn't working. It's not going away. So the reason why I'm having this conversation, and I'm going to have many more of these conversations, which is my solo chat, is that I want you to understand that I'm doing vulnerability now. 
I'm having this conversation and I'm doing it in this way because I want to help not just a few men, 10 million men. So guys, if you're out there and you're listening, share this post, share this podcast, share it, talk, connect. I always say stay connected, not disconnected. So that's it. That's what I'm going to say. This is my first official solo chat with my listeners on the Hey Run podcast. So if you've never heard of me, I am Ryan. I am the host of Hey Run podcast. And if you would like to connect, stay connected, then click our RSS feed where you can get all the information that you need. Where you can find me is www.heyryanpodcast.com. And we're on Spotify, Stitcher and iTunes and everywhere on the directories. So even the Alexa knows who I am, which is pretty amazing. So all I can say is thank you so much for listening. And this was the first of many solo chats with the Hey Run podcast host, Ryan Allen. And I look forward to connecting with you again very, very soon. You've been listening to the Hey Ryan podcast with Ryan Allen. To learn more about this show and to subscribe for future episodes, connect with us on our website, heyryanpodcast.com. Get connected, stay connected, not disconnected, because your mind matters.